Hey, who do you think would win a fight? What, what do you mean? Well, if you and I ever got into like a really serious fight, you know, and the punches started flying, who do you think would win? Well, I think that's pretty obvious. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. The bat is dead. Bury it. Fight back! You coward, fight back! You just started a war. Dark five never fail you. Flame of Udun! Never give up. Never surrender. We must fight. You've always run away from a fight. Have not? You have so. Have not? You have so. Have not? You have so and you know it. What's up, Who Would Winners, and welcome to episode number 72 of the Who Would Win cast, the podcast that analyzes fictional fights between familiar faces. My name is Steve. What's up, Who Would Winners, and welcome to episode 72 of the Who Would Win cast, the podcast that analyzes fictional fights between familiar faces. This is Chris. I feel like there's an echo in here today. I don't know what you're talking about. That's just my standard intro. I don't know what you're talking about. Maybe you stole my intro. I'm not sure. Did did you memorize that, or you know, just quickly from hearing it over and over and over again? Did well, you have it written down? this is the seventy second time I heard it. Actually, it's not because I didn't start doing that until like episode <laughs> like I don't know. Okay, that's that's a little bit of special trivia for longtime Who Would Win listeners. But this is that's episode seventy two. I've been hearing it a lot. Yes, that that is true. How are you? I am well. How are you? I am I am well as well. I uh, I, I went to the movies today. What did you see? Black, um, did you see Black Panther? I, 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 I saw Black Panther last weekend, actually, and I really enjoyed it, just like all the other people in the world that have gone and, and seen it. Um, today I went and saw a science fiction film called Annihilation. Oh, right. Mortal Kombat Natalie. Annihilation, right? The sequel to Mortal Kombat? Exactly. Yes, exactly. So it stars Natalie Portman and is directed by a guy named Alex Garland, who directed the film uh, Ex Machina, which is a very... Uh, very well received science fiction film from a couple years ago. Uh, it's a thinker. This one, well, Ex Machina is too, but Annihilation. It's a thinker. Um, I enjoyed it. I, I got to let it uh, fester a little more before I have a uh, final thought about it. But um, I was, I was engrossed in the story for the the two hours or so that I was sitting in there. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah. So something something to do on this rainy rainy weekend day. It that was we had. a rainy rainy overcast day, wasn't it? I heard that's how it's supposed to be the rest of the week down here, unfortunately. Yeah, I looked at that, too. It's kind of depressing. Yeah. But we will carry on. We will. Thanks to the Who Would Win podcast. That's right. That's what we're going to do here. Um, so, so Chris, I have uh, some poll results that I'd like to share. I would love to hear them. So uh, hopefully everybody enjoyed our Pokemon Olympics episode. And the Olympics are officially over, unfortunately. And America won curling. How how amazing is that? Men's curling, it was awesome. That that one shot that Schuster made, the five the, point uh, round, at the end of the eighth. That will go yeah, down hammer, in history. It really will. I mean, this guy, he, this is his four straight Olympics, and I don't think he ever thought that he'd win gold, especially this Olympics when they started off. What, what were they like, like six and four going into the the. The elimination rounds, I think. Maybe, maybe not even that well. Like they got into a situation where they had to win their last three games just to have a chance to advance. Right, and they did. And they it's did. Crazy. I saw uh, on on Reddit that there's a Simpsons episode from 2000 where Homer's in the Olympics, the Winter Olympics, and he wins curling for America, and he beat the Swedish. Wow, so The Simpsons people, does predict everything. That's what people were saying. They were saying, "Wow, there's another example of The Simpsons predicting the future again." But at this point. You know, there's so many things that have happened. 
my dad was saying like it's they're they're sure to predict something of, of all the episodes that have happened in the simpsons true if you throw enough darts you're gonna hit some exactly um so so some poll results i have here uh that have closed in our pokemon olympics as of this airing some of our other polls are still open uh so we had um we, we already did snowboarding we have ski jumping and uh in first place taking the gold for ski jumping we had gold duck with 43 percent of the vote Silver medal, second place, we had Spoink with 36% of the All right, vote. good job, Spoink. That's it. And then in the bronze, we had Gardevoir with 21% of the vote. So um, I'm unfortunately having to say here that um, our good friend Dan, he came in bronze for every event in the first episode, in the part one. Wow. Because going into the next one, we had Swineup, or excuse me, uh, yeah, we had Speed Skating. In which Swineup came in gold, and then we had uh, he had fifty percent of the vote. Then with the silver, we had Gyarados with thirty nine percent of the vote, and then we had Love Disc coming in bronze, like I said, with eleven percent of the vote. All right, all right. So um, that's that's what people are saying here about the the Olympic episode. I hope everybody enjoyed them. Um, they're always fun to do. We're looking forward to doing uh, Tokyo twenty twenty in the next couple of years here. But uh, so, Chris, I came up with this idea that I think I'm going to do. I'm thinking of putting a link in our show notes every episode that will go directly to the results that we have. We have our own spreadsheet that keeps the results of every episode we've done. And it's just kind of fun for us to kind of look back and see, you know, who had the most votes, who won that episode, kind of keep tracks of who won the most episodes. But I think I'm going to put it so that way the fans can see it. Just so that way, in case you're listening to an episode and you don't listen to the next episode where we possibly reveal the results, that way you could still go and see who won, who had the most votes or whatnot. That sounds great, Steve. Yeah. So yeah. I'll, I'll put a link on there. It's just the, the, the viewing link. I was going to say, don't let it be in. edit because people might just mess That's with right. it. That's right. If we have any fans in Russia, they might come in here and try to hack our uh, our voting system here, which has never happened before. So. I don't know why you would uh, defame the good people of Russia with that type of remark. Sorry. I, I, don't, I, I didn't mean it, comrades. I apologize. Hey, even after being banned from the Olympics for doping, only two of them got caught for doping again. I think one of them did it for curling. Yeah, I think a curling and a bobsledder. I, they, now, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe they won gold for hockey. Uh, yes, they did. Men. They they I beat heard. Germany, which was Germany was a surprise to be even in the medal round. Yeah, um, I heard that during the medal ceremony when the uh, na- national anthems were playing, I heard Russia was singing theirs out loud. I heard that which as is well. Apparently, like against the rules, since technically they're not from Russia; they're just Olympic athletes from Russia. That is that is correct, Steve. So. I mean, I don't know what to think about that. If they want to sing it, I guess it's against the rules because they're supposed to be punished. But I mean, I, I mean, you just you just won the gold medal. That's what I was gonna say. It's like it's a bunch of eighteen-year-old kids who, right. you know, let's give them the benefit of the doubt and say they weren't involved with the doping, right. and they did played their best and won the gold medal. So they're gonna be proud of their country. You know what? I I have a hard time blaming them for that. Yeah, it was the decision of the Olympic Committee to to not let them play under the Russian flag, but to allow the athletes to play. So that's true. That's just the way it is. Yeah, that's the risk you take. So, so yeah, so that's that's what we got going on with those Olympic 
um, episodes. Like I said, I hope everybody enjoyed them. I really enjoyed uh, making all the images that I posted on social media. They were fantastic. Participating in the different events. The uh, the biathlon ones were really, really fun to make, like making polyrath with the skis and uh, the ski poles. I saw that. You didn't even try to put his gun on, right? Because it didn't even fit, right? He's too short. I put it, I put it on his back. It's kind of hard to see, but uh, I kind of have it as like a backpack. I got to look closer. Yeah, it, it's there if you look. Okay. Did you watch any of the closing ceremony, Steve? I have not watched any of it. Has has it aired yet in America? Um, I think they were saving it to show primetime tonight as of this recording. But okay. you can watch stuff online. And I saw a couple of things. Like, there was a couple K-pop groups that were performed that was kind of like a nice, cool performances. Like, I'll have to, have to check. It's not yeah, my favorite. Did you, did you, you know, enjoy? Uh, it's right. not my favorite style of music, but like actually I thought it was a pretty cool performances. Was there a whole bunch of them or just one group? I think there was one group that did two songs and another group that did one song. Oh, cool. So, yeah, I would definitely check it out. Absolutely, yeah. I, I mean, I, like I said, I love the Olympics. I like the opening ceremony. So I always hate the closing ceremony just because it's like now it's over. That's true. We got to wait like two and a half years now until the Summer Olympics. So you can watch the Paralympics if you want. They're 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 well, up next. Yes, I do. I do plan on watching those. But my only concern is, is it going to be on television? I was thinking it'd be on the Olympic Channel, but but M, but NBC would probably not be airing it. Right. That's what I'm thinking. And you too. probably can still find it online, but I don't know for sure. Yeah. I'll have to check it out. If anyone knows, let us know. I really, I really want to see the uh, the Paralympics. Just that way, I can squeeze another two weeks of Olympics. Yeah, I'm with you, Steve. There, there were some cool moments over the last week. Did you see the? Um, so there was a female um, snowboarder. I always mix it up. She basically she won a gold medal on snowboarding and skiing, and one of them was oh, like wow. she just played on the side, like she just plays for fun, pretty much. That's that's amazing. And it was a huge upset win, and I think it was in skiing was the, the upset. And then she's a snowboarder by like normal practice, and she okay. won a gold in that. So there's she might have been the first woman to win a gold in two events, or maybe even the first Olympian to win a gold in two events. There might be some type of qualifier on that, but she won a gold in two different events. It was pretty cool. That's really cool. And then there was um, did you see the skier, the half pipe skier who just basically qualified by default and didn't even try? She just just or, like went through the half pipe, just skied down the half pipe. Yeah, yeah, I did see that. Yeah, was that a male or a female? can't remember off the top of my head i'm not sure either i mean hey you get your 30 seconds of uh the spotlight right there just the whole world watching you as you ski down it's hard to blame them for just wanting to go to the olympics even though uh whoever this person was qualified in kind of like a cheesy way they just um you have to have a certain amount of top 20 finishes and they only participated in events with less than 20 people so they kind of qualified just like by default are they from, like, a really obscure country, like the guy from um, Tonga? So it wasn't quite as obscure. In addition to being able to finish in the top 20, uh, I think a couple people on that team had to be injured, and they got the spot. Oh, wow. So they really lucked out. Yes, they did. But speaking mm-hmm. of everyone's favorite uh, oiled-up uh, Tongan, he also <laughs> appeared in the closing ceremony. I did see an image of him, and I wasn't sure if it was from the closing or the, the opening. So he did he do his oiled-up body again? Yes, yes, he did. He, did. he came okay. back, oiled up. I think they gave him like a little bit of a spotlight to uh, kind of show off. Well, here's the hoping that we see him again in two years in Tokyo. I'll be rooting for him. Do we know what happened with him? This Olympics? <laughs> I honestly, I didn't even see his event. I don't know. I don't know either. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, obviously, he probably got like in dead last, if not, you know, a couple before that. But yes, I would also assume that. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd be curious to see what it was. 
Um, all right, so Chris, moving forward, uh, we have a review here. We have a review. It's review time. That's right. We have a review uh, from a great fan who left this on iTunes. His name is Paul Dewey. Yep. Chris, do you want to read it? Do you want me to read it? Um, I'll read it. Okay, sure. Go ahead. All right, so this is a review from Paul Dewey entitled, I Am Entertained. It's a great title. Uh, possibly a reference to Gladiator. I don't know. <laughs> um, it's a five-star review. He says, wow. Enough with the who would kill who debate. Enough with the vulgar, inappropriate conversations. This podcast is essentially perfect for a who would win concept. Want to know who throws a better Christmas party or who would win Survivor or steal the Death Star plans without cussing? Just listen to this podcast. It makes me happy. It makes me ponder. It makes me want to grab a microphone and ramble. It makes me wish I could participate and a good, healthy debate that makes me want to say something that makes me truly excited. Five stars. That's 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 beautiful. That I, is I a, such a nice review. Thank you very much, Paul. Yes, thank you so much, Paul. I can't thank you enough for that beautifully With callbacks reveal. to our previous episodes, including Tons of them. You got the Christmas, Christmas party, episode, Survivor, the... Death Star plans. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so many great callbacks there. What more can and you ask for? Not, not, I mean, hopefully our fictional review for him will live up to the review that he gave for us. I would, I would hope. And I, I think I got this one, actually. Okay. So based on his impeccable taste in podcasts, I assumed he's probably an industry insider. He knows, you know, his way around media. So I started looking. There's actually, have you ever heard of the documentary Farmageddon? I have not. I think it's on Netflix. It's from 2011. Okay. And I believe Nicole and I have watched it, and it was pretty interesting. And the producer's name is Paul Dewey. No way. I, I think that's him. So we have an industry insider with a great taste of podcast. Yep. The producer of this documentary, Farmageddon. Exactly. Listening to our podcast. It's him for sure. Like, based on his, you know, keen eye for, for, good, for good media and ideas. Now, would you say the Farmageddon documentary is an example of good media? Um, I don't remember it for sure. So I've seen a bunch of, like, um, food-related documentaries. And for me, they kind of start to blend together. Okay. So I was trying to do some quick research on Farmageddon. And it said it was about a – so one of the summaries on IMDb says it's about a mom whose son healed her his allergies and asthma after consuming raw milk and real food from farms. And I actually don't remember that at all, so maybe I haven't seen it. But then it says it talks about, like, uh, food co-ops and private clubs and different ways that, like, the government, uh, I would say interferes, but some people would probably argue with that use of the word, like, with farming, how there's, like, subsidies Uh for certain crops and whatnot. And, like, that's somewhat of a common theme among certain food documentaries. And I remember stuff like that. Like, especially with corn, that's a huge subsidy. Sugar is a big thing. Mm -hmm. So if that's the documentary I'm thinking of, it's very interesting. I kind of watch every documentary with, like, a grain of salt where, like, they generally are trying to – I'm going to use – I'm going to say push an agenda, but that might be too strong. But they generally have a bias, and you just have to be aware. But they also generally have, like, good information that's worth thinking about. Right, Absolutely. So I, I would I think this is one of them if it's if it's if I'm remembering correctly. So if this is so, in fact Paul Dewey's produced documentary, 
it's pretty good. So what industry do you think – obviously, you think Paul Dewey's involved in the farming industry. Do you think there's a certain aspect of the farming industry like you mentioned, like sugar, corn? Uh, this one talked seems to be focused on dairy. So okay. I would say that. He's a he's in, he's he's a bovine. Right. I'm not saying he is a cow, just to be clear. <laughs> he's a human. Yeah, he's a human being who produced a documentary about dairy farming. Got it. Yeah. All right. Well, Paul Dewey, uh, thank you so much for your review. Please let us know how close we were. If you are an industry insider, please let us know. I mean, that could help us spread the word. Maybe we can if have a documentary. If you want to hire us, us, yeah, like, yeah. you know, we're open to anything. We could do voiceovers for a documentary. I could do a cow voice. Go ahead. Moo. <laughs> I can do other cow. cow. I can say other things. Like, if you want a, a cow that speaks English, I can do that as well. Go ahead. Um. Hello. This is a cow. Wow. I mean, sign us up right now. Uh, Steve, you really put me on the spot there. I feel like I might have blew our chance. I mean, you usually you usually do a really good job when under pressure. So I thought you did a good job. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so like again, like I said, thank you so much, Paul. Let us know, Paul. Let us know how close we were uh, to your fictional background. And if you would like a fictional background done for you, uh, please leave us a review on iTunes or on Podbean, and we will uh, give you a fictional review to the best of our ability. Chris, a, fic- you ready to get a fictional started? background. Yes, a fictional background. Yes. We could review you as well. <laughs> But. I guess we could, yeah, of your listening habits and how good you are. Yes. <laughs> oh, God. All right, Chris, you ready to get going? Steve, I'm ready. All right, let's do this. So if you have any ideas for any future matchups or scenarios, or if you just like to say hello, you can reach us through Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Gmail. You can also subscribe and leave us a ratings on iTunes or through our RSS feed on Podbean. Chris, what are we talking about today? Oh, today we have an epic battle. We have an epic, epic battle. This this may be the episode that ruins our friendship. This is tugging at our heartstrings. This we each have serious opinions on. And we bring it up constantly in conversation, usually myself. Yeah, it is usually you, to be honest, yes. It is. Usually with a poor analogy. Well, we'll get into that. We so, will get into that. So the topic is ketchup. Ketchup. Drizzle or dip. Now... Listeners of our show would know that we usually take, and it's in our title, we, we take two fictional characters with familiar faces. Fictional fights between familiar faces. We, we really don't have that this week. This is a kind of a special one. Hopefully you're this okay with special. it. Yes. I mean, you, you know, Chris, you and I could be the two fictional people. Right. I'm actually and, um, a real person. I'm non-fictional. Yes. Well, it's open to interpretation. <laughs> I guess you could say the characters we play on the Who Would Win podcast are fictional. That's true. But I generally play myself. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, you, you stretch it every time. It's a bit so. of a gray area. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we, we we saw each other the other day, and this happened, and we said we need to do an episode about this. We we have the outlet, we have the ability, we have the technology. We just need to sit here because we have this debate constantly. We do. Usually it comes up all the, the time because I'm the one that brings it up. And admittedly, I feel bad for you sometimes because you're the in our group of friends. You're the only drizzler. I am the only drizzler. And you take you take a good amount of heat for it. I do take a lot of heat for it. But in and my opinion, it's all warranted because you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we're going to use this 
this outlet that we have to try to see if I can convince the listeners as to why my position is right. And you're going to try to convince the listeners as to why your position is right. So let's exactly. give a little bit of, give a little bit of background here, Chris, of what we're talking okay, about. Okay, so, so if you have if you don't know about ketchup, ketchup is a tomato based product, generally mixed with like sugar and water and like probably some preservatives. I was going to say it is a tomato based product, but I think it's more likely a sugar based product with it's, tomatoes. It's fairly sugary. Yes, but that's neither here nor there for this debate. And then if you don't know what a French fry is. Basically, take a potato, and if you don't know what a potato is, I cannot help you. You slice yeah, it not- up into strips, you put them in oil, you fry it, and then you have uh, French fries. And they're amazing. French fries are fantastic. They're so good. Steve, are they French in origin? I honestly have no idea. I've always assumed they were. Do you know? Well, I have some background on French fries and ketchup that I'll, I'll make a quick run through. But okay. I don't think – like the French part of French fries seems to just be like marketing. Like French – France had an important part in the history of French fries, but they didn't invent them. Okay. Maybe they so – What's their important – well, I'll get uh, there. Oh. First, I have to get to like 1767 to get to that. Do you want me to just jump right into the history of French fries and ketchup? Uh, if you want to, go ahead. Okay, so uh, I got to do a quick uh, citation here. This is on um, HuffingtonPost.com, an article by Kate Bratskier. Okay. Uh, it's called A Historical Timeline of Ketchup and French Fries and How the Pair Grew to Fall in Love. Got it. So we begin our, our love affair in 8000 BC. So wow. quite a long time ago. The potato was first domesticated in modern-day Peru and Bolivia. So it doesn't say, but I assume that's like a Aztec, Inca, Mayan-type area at that point. Yes. I did know that potatoes were from the Americas. That yes. I did know. Yes. So um, that's 8,000 B.C., quite a long time ago they were making potatoes. Uh, jump ahead a long time, about 7,500 years, to 500 B.C., where we find the first evidence of tomato cultivation, and that's in Mexico. Okay. So already you're not too far apart, you know, Central no, America right to Mexico. Yeah. They're they're on their they're on their way. Mm-hmm. So uh jump about 50 more years to 544 AD, we find uh historical reference uh, recipes for ketchup in China. Um Really? You know, oddly enough the recipes include stomach, intestine and bladder of a yellow fish. So I'm not sure how close that ketchup was to the modern day ketchup we have. So it had no tomatoes. Well, it doesn't say. <laughs> So well, I, because I mean, it, I guess it kind of depends because of the Colombian exchange after Columbus came over here. That's when a lot of the tomatoes and potatoes start going over back. That's to true because we got the tomatoes in Mexico. We got some type of ketchup in China. Right. How are they going to mesh? And maybe unless, if you stick with us, we'll you'll unless, find out. Unless like Asian explorers, like a lot of people do think and theorize that a lot of Asian explorers explored the Americas prior to columbus oh that's a good that's a good thought so i don't think that's in this timeline there is some there's going to be some stuff coming up very soon okay so so that was 544 a.d so okay. you know now we're jumping to 17 the year 1700 so like okay. you know we we had another substantial jump so on the potato timeline uh the europeans decide that the potato is unfit for human consumption and they wow. feed it to livestock and prisoners now, this must have been after the potato famine. 1700? When was the potato famine? I uh, don't remember off the top of my head. I'll have to look it up. We will d- We will look that up. We will not leave you hanging on the potato famine. 
But this is 1700. Europeans are like, potatoes are gross. Livestock and prisoners only. Funnily, funnily enough, side fact, they, that was also the uh, original history of lobster. It was thought of like the food of like the commoner, huh. you know. And now today it's seen as very lobster is uh, a fancy food. Noble, yes. So also in 1700, on the ketchup side, British seamen return home from the Southeast Asia with samples of Malaysian ketchup. So they've had this ketchup that's like made like fish based, and they might be able to like be getting tomatoes from the New World. And maybe things are going to happen. We'll see. Okay. okay. So that was 1700. In 1767, King Louis XIV holds a potatoes-only feast. Ooh. First of all, I have so many questions. What leads a person to hold a potatoes-only feast? Uh, they're guests, easy to grow and they're cheap. Guests include Marie Antoinette as well as Benjamin Franklin. So Ben this, Franklin went to a potato feast. This is like the party of the times. You know, it's like <laughs> – this is like Jay-Z's like white party. Or is that Kanye? I think it's Jay-Z. Anyway, this is like, you know, all the coolest people are invited. It's potatoes only. It's like potato, 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 potato. They probably had a potato-based DJ. They had potato songs. They had potato games. They probably had a potato sack race. That's a just, lot of potatoes. Just, if you're watching this as like historically – I made all that up. But the original fact about the potatoes only feast is apparently true. Okay, 1767. So that is going to make the potatoes start to rise in popularity. If you know, if the king's eating it, and Marie Antoinette is eating it, and Benjamin Franklin's eating it, we got to get them potatoes. Okay, 1778. Ketchup becomes a catch-all term for savory and fermented sauces. Cookbooks begin to feature mushroom ketchups, walnut ketchups, and oyster ketchups. So it's not tomato ketchup at this point. Ketchup just means like. It's made from something that's fermented. Whatever. Okay. So now we're going to... That was 1778. 1800. There's multiple origin stories for the French fry. So this is when we start to look at what would be considered the modern French fry. And there's two different origin stories. Historians aren't sure. Potentially... Here's here's number one. Belgians fry thin strips of potatoes to mimic the form of fried fish which they can't catch when rivers freeze over. Okay. Second possibility, a street vendor in Paris invents it around the start of the French Revolution. Why? I don't know. Apparently there might be evidence of both of these origins around the year 1800. Okay. So then in 1802, Thomas Jefferson has potatoes served in the French manner at a White House dinner in 1802, most certainly a recipe from his French chef, Honoré Julien. So that's when we get French fries in the Americas in made in a French style. So we're probably going to see them start to gain popularity. 1812, first tomato ketchup recipe makes its debut referencing ketchup from love apples, as tomatoes are called at the time. Huh. So apparently tomatoes at one time were called love apples, and that time was 1812. I I actually really like that name. Me too. Love apple? It sounds nice. Yeah. It's kind of like... It's a softer apple. You know, it's how you think of it. Right. Right. Which makes sense. (laughs) Okay. 1850. Commercially produced ketchups begin featuring harmful preservatives, including boric acid, formalin, salicylic acid, and benzoic acid. Uh Uh-oh. I'm not even sure why that was included in the timeline, but it might be important later. Okay. 1860. The first chips are fried in Britain on the site of Oldham's Tommyfield Market. So I guess that's like potato chips, fish and chips. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Then we're jumping to 1906. 
The Pure Food and Drug Act forces food manufacturers to remove harmful preservatives, which you may remember we introduced in 1850. Thus, uh... the first preservative-free ketchup is marketed, characterized by high vinegar content to maximize shelf life. So that's probably where we see the advent of the ke- of the modern ketchup that we know the taste of today. Probably. We we lost all those par- those preservatives that were bad for you and had to replace them with something. They chose vinegar and that's going to give ketchup the taste it has today. And later sugar. Right. I'm yeah, that yeah, that's a good point. Okay, 1930, French fried potatoes start being called simply French fries in America. It's you know, Americans, we just call things uh, as, as short as we can. We want Fre- it to be yeah. quick and easy. French fried potatoes is hard to say. It's, it's too, too many long. syllables. Yeah, we just want to eat it. French fries, that's fine. Right. 1948, the growth of a number of fast food and drive-in restaurant chains marks the beginning of the drive through slash drive-in era. So I'm thinking like McDonald's, Burger King, Wendy's, and that's when we're seeing French fries, you know, mass marketing. Right. 1950, only two years after the last fact, Frozen french fries are manufactured for the first time on an industrial scale thanks to improvements in freezing technology. Yeah, most fries now, you just see them take them out and they just pop them in the fryer. I'm sure. They got shipped from – Five Guys. I know Five Guys, like they they take great pride in having fresh potatoes and they always say where they got their their potatoes from that day. They keep bags of potatoes in the restaurant just to show you they're coming from real potatoes. Exactly, which is a nice touch. I agree. We can get into this later, our personal french fry preference. Yes. But uh, I'll save that. Okay, so that was 1950. So now we're jumping ahead uh, 10 years to 1960. Uh, a restaurant patron in Quebec requests cheese curds atop a plate of fries, beginning the grand tradition of poutine. So poutine, 1960, if you care. <laughs> so 1968, the first to-go ketchup squeeze packet is released. That's an important moment because ketchup pea squeeze packets are very important. They're, they're still around today. Of course, they're very important today. Yeah. We'll get into that too because a handful of them. there's a certain type of ketchup packet. Namely, the only the only place I can find it is Chick-fil-A. Do you know what I'm talking about? The ketchup packet that you can um, either take off the top and dip into or you can you can rip off the top and squeeze. I was going to mention that today because okay. I feel like that – we'll, we'll get to it. Uh, yeah, exactly because it seems to – okay, yeah, we'll get there. Okay, so now I'm going to 1970. Frozen french fries from fast food and roadside diners become a staple of the American diet, and due to heavy corn subsidies from the United States government, high fructose corn syrup becomes a a widely used sweetener in ketchup. So, like you previously said, sugar's coming, and in this case, it's high fructose corn syrup. Yeah. Uh, Ten more years, 1980, restaurants and critics begin describing new American cuisine, uh, a combination of traditional American cooking with French influence. And the United States government loosens nutritional requirements for school lunches amidst budget cuts, allowing ketchup to count as a vegetable. Ah, sweet Jesus. <laughs> oh, God. Very high fructose corn syrup, Jesus, you mean. Yes. In the year 2000, roughly 29% of U.S. potato crops are used for the production of frozen French fries. So close to a third of potatoes make frozen French fries. That's insane. In the U.S. So we like our French fries. We do. In 2004... Beginning in New York and quickly expanding to Chicago and San Francisco, gastropubs entered the culinary lexicon of the United States. Have you heard of restaurants describing themselves as a gastropub? I've never heard of a gastropub. So I've, I've seen that in, normally in like a hip city. And they'll, they'll have uh, what I would describe as like bar food, okay. you know, like burgers and fries type of thing. Yeah. But sometimes have like a fancier twist on it. Okay. And then in 2008, to great fanfare, according to this article – 
Sir Kensington's ketchup first conceived in samples. I don't know what Sir Kensington ketchup is. They appear to have some relationship to the sponsorship of this article, so that's probably why they're mentioned. <laughs> that's probably why they threw it in there. But yeah. basically, the ketchup and tomato history I went through is complete at this point. So from its humble beginnings in Peru and Bolivia and Mexico, it became a staple of American cuisine. I would say like that and burgers are American. Yeah. Food. There's yeah. There's really when you think of American food, you got you got to think of those exactly. But that leads us to our question: How do you combine the ketchup and the French fry? There, I mean, there's there's tons of different options. There are a ton. There, I mean, I guess there's two really big ones, like we mentioned. We have drizzling, which is where I, what I'd be taking, right, and dipping. Which yes. Is, which is the side that you prefer? Uh-huh. So, so I'm gonna I'm gonna talk a little bit about uh, the drizzling here. So, so when I have my plate of fries, um, I I like to save my fries for the end. Personally, I like to eat my burger first and then go to my fries. I and usually I do that the, too. Yeah, and I I don't put the ketchup on first. I once I finish my burger, then I'll put the ketchup on. Okay, that is now, important. I, yes, and I I do agree with that. When I put my ketchup on my fries i don't like glob it like crazy i i actually consider it kind of like an art form and i very um you know conservatively drizzle it on top of the french fries in no particular pattern sometimes i'll do like zigzags or something along those lines it's not like i try to spell anything or anything (laughs) but um i'll just do a nice top coating on top of the french fries but you you can still see the french fries I can still cook. Yes, I can. There is more French fry than ketchup. I'm not someone who just completely globs it all over. And nine times out of 10, when I do that, someone gives me a weird look or someone makes a comment. What do they say? Um, They'll be like, what are you doing? Uh, You're committing a crime. What's wrong with you? Um, A crime. A crime. That seems harsh. I mean, some people will consider uh, a crime, like a war crime to be drizzling. A war crime? A war crime, yeah. That's that's harsh. That just speaks to the divide in American politics today. <laughs> no, it's a, just wanna... extremism on both sides. You can either be a war criminal or not. Right. No, no, in, no I in between. I don't want to. I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to brag, but I'm very, very good at drizzling my ketchup. Like I never, I never glob it. I never really miss any spots. Like what I get the ketchup on my fries like that is where i meant for it to end up wow so um, go ahead you are kind of bragging but I'm, in I'm, your I'm, opinion I'm, what consider what makes the person good at drizzling is like getting ketchup on every fry and not too much on one fry correct okay so the hardest um ketchup bottles i have to deal with are the heinz glass bottles i completely agree the, they're a mess cap. they're just yes. not they're just they're a relic of the past Yes, they really are. I mean, you have McDiners and whatnot, so you, that's the one you have to hit the 57 in order to get the ketchup out perfectly. So that's that's what I consider a challenge. When I sit down, I see that, I know I'm getting fries. I'm like, all right, it's on. So are you saying you can successfully drizzle a, a, a glass bottle of ketchup? I can. We did it. Uh, when did I do it? Last night? Didn't, did they have the glass bottle last uh, night? I could have sworn that was a plastic bottle, but I could be wrong. I can't remember. It was, it, it was recently. There was a recent time where I had to do that. Um, okay, if you say so. I mean, that's a challenge even for the dippers, like to get the ketchup out of that thing. Oh, absolutely. And and if it yeah. comes out watery, you're all that messes up everything. Yeah. If you forget now, some, to shake some, your ketchup bottle, the worst. 
Now, some of our listeners are probably wondering, like, okay, I understand how you do it, but they might be thinking, why do you do that? Now, that's a great question. So, so my tactic and my reasoning is, is that I just like to take my French fry and just one direction. I take it, pick it up, straight into my mouth. I don't want to waste any time having to pick it up, having to dip it, and then having to take it in my mouth. I like taking it right away in just one complete motion. It already has ketchup on it, and it goes right in there. Can I and make a quick since, um? Sure. No, go ahead. Finish your thought, and then I'll make a quick. I'm just uh, gonna say since and since I do it in a way that each um, piece of uh, French fry has some ketchup on it, I'm getting that nice sweet ketchup taste in it. So that way, I'm not worrying about whether it's too much or too little. I'm getting exactly what I need. So I think we both agree you do want ketchup on on all your French fry bites. Correct. But one thing you said kind of struck me uh, struck me funny. You said you don't want to waste your time. Yes. So, I mean, do you consider eating french fries a time-sensitive activity? I just love ketchup so much that I just want to pick them up and just put them right into my face. A uh, quick sidebar. What do you would you eat plain ketchup? Like at, with a spoon? Yeah, just ketchup by itself. I would not. I totally agree. It's disgusting, but somehow on a on a french fry it's essential. I agree. It's like weird. It's like on its own it, it tastes it's gross. It's really weird. Right. Um, but on top of a burger or french fries, it's it's delicious. It's basically a necessity. It has to be yes, there. Yes, it really is. Absolutely. Um, I mean, for me, like, I don't want to rush eating my fries. Like, I, I don't consider it a waste of time to savor them, to, to individually choose your fry. You know, do you want a crispy fry? Do you want a bigger fry? Do you want a, do you want a long fry? And then to just dip as much ketchup as you want and then eat it. Like, that, I, don't, I wouldn't call that a waste of time. For me, that's just... Well, that's just nice ketchup eating time. A nice French fry time. Okay, I I, I hear what you're saying. Like I'm now, not I'm not weird about it. I'm not like making yeah. weird sounds when I do it. I'm just enjoying <laughs> my time with the French fry. I mean, hey, what you and the French fry do in your own time? That's that's up to you. But I, I think that one of the key parts of my argument here is that though I drizzle my ketchup <laughs> on top of my fries, that is a very, very consistent motion that i carry on to other foods that people don't necessarily dip but they will drizzle as all right well. I, you make that argument all the time and i completely I disagree every time you make it okay but can i do a quick dip sidebar before you get into that go into your sidebar okay it's not really a sidebar it's basically the dip argument yes like why people dip ketchup so one thing you kind of overlook when you say you're drizzling like you say you do some type of random pattern to get ketchup on each fry and you somehow get the perfect amount on each fry, never too much, never too little, which I doubt, but sure, maybe you do it. Maybe you're amazing at drizzling ketchup. <laughs> There's still going to be an under layer of French fries underneath that are going to miss the ketchup. That, that is a very good point. And once I get to that point, I just drizzle again. That's fine. You can do the redrizzle. That's fair yeah. enough. I mean, yep. that, but, but people who dip, so I, I get it fundamentally might be about like how much control you want over your French fry experience. Cause right. when you dip your ketchup, you have full control over how much ketchup on each French fry. Correct. Like this you're taking a clean French fry. First of all, I hate getting ketchup on my fingers. So that's a big reason I dip. Okay. I have a nice pool See, of ketchup. And in fairness, I usually overestimate the amount of ketchup. Like I will probably squeeze out, I don't know, half a bottle of ketchup for a plate right. of French fries, but I do like ketchup. And then I get to individually choose what French fry I want. I don't have to be like, oh, I have to pick from the top. I have to pick one that has the right amount of ketchup. Or, like, say, worst case, I mean, does this ever happen to you when you drizzle? 
you get a French fry with too much ketchup and you have to wipe it on another French fry to get the right amount um, of ketchup? Very rarely. Okay, sure. But I get to just pick my French fry. I get to dip exactly how much ketchup I want and then I get to eat it fresh, which I think is a key point with dippers versus drizzlers. Drizzling will eventually give you soggy French fries. I can see that as an end result, yes. And like you said, you have to. there's a time element involved when you drizzle and you don't want to waste time. When you're dipping, it's not that much of a concern. Sure, you, you, your French fries might cool off. That, that's a concern, which is going to happen either way. And, and honestly, I think it happens faster when you drizzle because you're putting cold ketchup on the warm French fries. But it's, right. still, it's still a concern. So, you know, you have to eat them, you know, you know in a, in within a reasonable amount of time. But dipping just gives you that much more control over it. And that's, okay. that's fundamentally the dip versus drizzle argument. Like, do you want to be in control of your French fry and ketchup experience? And I say yes. I think I, I do see where you're coming from here. I also – I guess I look at it from a plate cleanliness perspective as well. When I finish eating my French fries, my plate is spotless. Maybe there's like a small drip of ketchup here or there, but you don't have this giant glob of ketchup just sitting on the side of the plate. There's no waste. That is like there's, I said, I always overestimate the ketchup and I usually do have ketchup left over. Which and like like I said, there's nothing wrong with that because like you you argued you are in full control. Um however, I feel like that's kind of wasteful because like you said, you're ending up with this giant glob of ketchup just sitting on the side of your plate. Right, which I don't consider a big downside. I feel like that's worth the trade-off of having the right amount of ketchup on every french fry. Okay, I hear what you're saying. Now, now what, what, what I was uh, alluding to earlier here is that I feel like people drizzle more in everyday society with other types of food. Sure, let's get right into like, it. And I feel like that should carry over when it comes to drizzling on French fries. Can Some examples that yeah, I have. Yeah, please, please throw something out. Um, nachos. The cheese is usually drizzled on top of the nachos. Whether it's shredded and then melted, and or if it's uh, regular like queso, I do have a thought on that. So I would, I mean, if it's going to be like real cheese melted on, obviously yes, it's drizzled. But if it's going to be like a, a liquid cheese that you dip, I prefer to dip that cheese. Now, is that dip? Is that uh, so? That's dipping it into the uh, into its own separate bowl. Yeah, if it's going to be a liquid cheese, I'd I would rather dip. Okay. If it's going to be a solid melted cheese, I would rather it be on top and then melt it on. Okay. Um, popcorn. I think this is a really great example. Let's hear why this is a great example, Steve. You go, you go to the movie theater. You don't dip each individual piece of popcorn in a small container of melted butter. That is true. It's a liquid, just like ketchup is a liquid. I guess you could classify it as such. Sure, yep. You drizzle the butter on top of the popcorn. I agree. You reach, you reach into the popcorn bag. Your hand gets covered. I'd say your hand gets covered more in butter than it would in ketchup if you're drizzling on your French fries. Yeah, you, you get salty butter hands immediately when you're eating Absolutely. movie theater popcorn. And I feel like that's that's a very equivalent comparison analogy here. Of this is, this is a perfect analogy because I want the listeners to hear what you consider to be a fair comparison to ketchup. Because I feel like most rational human beings listening to this will think that is insane. You think so? You think that drizzling butter on popcorn is no comparison to drizzling ketchup on french fries? I 100% think that. Why? Okay, a bunch of reasons. Here's a couple. First of all, 
there's way more popcorn pieces than french fries. It would be very impractical to dip each of them into butter. Uh, second of all, it would be very inconvenient to have a tub of a little thing of butter with your popcorn in a movie theater. Just like logistically, it would be hard to hold both of them. This is true. I mean, if you're getting fries on the go, I'd rather have my fries dri- like ketchup drizzled on my fries than have to carry like a small ketchup cup around with me as I'm going. So this might be rel- So I did say I did call them both a liquid, and that might be slightly unfair because ketchup will for the most part, hold its shape when you, when you, you know, um, put some on your plate. Okay. And butter, obviously way more, is that a higher viscosity or low, way lower viscosity? I think I'm just going to mm-hmm. commit to thinking that's right. Ketchup. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> butter way lower vis- viscosity or the opposite. I'm not sure. And it's just going to go everywhere. Ketchup, very high viscosity. It's going to stay in place. And that's pretty fundamental to the dip versus not dip debate. Like, there's no comparison to dipping butter other than having a cup of liquid. So like you're saying just like when you go into the movie theater, if you want to put some on your plate, like if you do that with ketchup, it's going to stay in one spot. If you do it with butter, it's going to just spread all over. Well, going with your argument, you're not going to have any control. You said it's all about control. You will have um, no control over your butter and your you, popcorn. You don't. I mean, that's a fair point. You don't have control. Like I love butter i usually ask for extra butter at the movie theater i do too yeah. <laughs> remember we, we found that one place where you can pour it on yourself oh that's very that, dangerous that, that's the spot that's the spot yeah that's the reason i'm gonna like die 10 years earlier but um <laughs> yeah so i guess in some way you have control over putting too much butter because i do want butter on all the pieces so i put a lot of butter but but anyway i i feel like dipping is just not an option for butter for for popcorn it's just not a fair comparison okay. Okay. And it's hard for me to put into words. I feel like it's just something you know as a human being who's eaten both of them. And I'm hoping that the listeners will be like, yeah, that's obvious. How do you not get that? <laughs> All right. Another one. Now, this is something that I have seen people do. I have seen people uh, have dry cereal and take spoonfuls of that cereal and dip it in milk. Are you serious? You've seen people do that? I have seen. There, there are special bowls where there's like two parts to it. And one is where you'd put your dry cereal. And the other part is where you would put your milk. And you would take your, uh, like a spoonful of the cereal and you would dip it in the milk. And then you would eat it. But I feel like most normal human beings drizzle the milk all over their cereal. There's another prime example right there. Okay. A couple points. One, I've never seen anyone eat cereal like that. If you say you have, sure. I mean, like, I would, I would advise you not to be friends with those people, but I don't <laughs> want to tell you how to live them. your life. Secondly, I feel like calling that drizzling is a bit of a stretch. Like, you're not really drizzling it. You're, you're just pouring it. You're, you want to be, you know, it's, it's a, it's a question of how much. It's a question of quantity. Like, there's a, there's more milk per cereal than there is ketchup per french fry so what would you say is the the difference between drizzling and pouring um amount a ratio like i mean ratio when i pour milk on cereal i want to be able to submerge the cereal in the milk because i want it to get coated and i actually like it slightly soggy i don't know if that's normal like that was one of my arguments against drizzling it gets this the french fries soggy say if you think the ketchup makes the french french fries soggy 
you're kind of contradicting yourself because I, I, you, you you're you're okay with other things being soggy when you're covered in. I understand that with the milk specifically because I do like my cereal slightly soggy, like not like falling apart mush, but uh-huh. like I like a good amount of milk soaked into it, and like I just I I just feel like most people would be like that's not the same thing. If you drizzled your milk on cereal, that you'd just be like pour a little bit of milk on. You'd have like yeah. slightly damp cereal. Yeah, I guess it comes to the point of what do you consider to be drizzle amount of milk? Sure, yeah, I mean con- compared to con- compared to pouring. What is the definition of drizzle? I agree. Now, last week, if you remember, you made lettuce wraps. Yep. And you were putting some. I believe you're putting soy sauce. On uh, teriyaki sauce. Teriyaki sauce, right? And I made a sly comment saying, "Oh, Chris, absolutely, you did. I see what you're doing there." So you're uh, you're drizzling your soy sauce, your teriyaki sauce, on top of your lettuce wrap there. Yes, you did say that. So what would that be? Would that not be drizzle? Would that be pouring? Because it's not a lot. It's so just th- enough to get the top covered. This is actually a good comparison because I'm going to partially agree with you. In a perfect world, I might consider dipping what I what we, the lettuce wraps into teriyaki sauce to be able to control how much per bite. Uh-huh. Just cup. It just comes down to the messiness of the lettuce wrap itself. So. We were eating a lettuce wrap, which was like, um, you know, a piece of lettuce with chicken and rice noodles and carrots uh, and maybe cucumber and some uh, peanut sauce. And that's inherently just already messy. Like, it's already kind of falling apart. So to try to dip each bite into teriyaki sauce would, for me, be difficult. So I just put it on. It's, you know, you might as well just drizzle it on. But I, that's actually the closest you've come to a fair comparison, in my opinion. Okay, I, but, I appreciate. Um, I just still think it's different enough. Like, it's it's not fair to compare a lettuce wrap to a French fry. French fries, there's many of them. You're eating them one at a time. Lettuce wrap is a singular entity that you're taking bites of. Uh, it's just it's not the same. Now, where would you draw the difference between a dip and a dunk? Uh, For example, I like I like uh, grilled cheese and tomato soup. However, I would not drizzle tomato soup on top of my grilled cheese but that is because i'm considering that dunking it into the tomato soup i'm not dipping it i'm dunking it. um i guess you could argue it's a it's another question of size ratio if you're because the tomato the um grilled cheese is bigger than tomato soup it's a dunk whereas if it was a smaller item it'd be a dip i mean for me that's just too that just gets too much into semantics and they're basically <laughs> the same thing a dip versus a dunk so i i wouldn't draw a hard line there but if you had to, I would draw it based on size ratio, like I was okay. saying previously. Now, I found a a very scientifically <laughs> based uh, quiz here. Okay, when you say very scientifically based, do you mean that in the scientific term or in the more non-scientific term? Um, it's from BuzzFeed. Okay, gotcha. Um, and Let's hear it. It is entitled, How Do You apply your ketchup and french fries and the way you do it shows information about you and uh reflects your personality your intelligence uh things like that i'm going to include this link in the show notes so that way if anybody would like to take the quiz they can see what their ketchup habits say about them now there's a whole bunch of options here there's one where the french fries are just completely smothered in ketchup now that i would not fall under that that's way too much ketchup right there's way too much ketchup um there is uh another one where 
someone is writing a motivational message to themselves in the catch-up. Um, and the image says you're sexy. Now I would not fall into that category as well. See, and if if I was gonna drizzle my ketchup, I would probably write something with ketchup. That, that's, that's what you would do. Yeah. Just messages to yourself. Yes. You could always just write messages and show it to the waitress just to kind of scare, like help me. And <laughs> I'm held here against my will. So so there is one, and the title is called "I Apply My Sauce Radically. I See It as Complex Abstract Art." Now, I would agree with that. I would agree with that image, um, and I'm going to click it here, and it says, you're the intelligent one. It says, you are intelligent, motivated, and always on the ball. You are everyone's favorite because you always, you're always you always able to help your friends tackle their tricky situations. You are caring, kind, and totally considerate to others at all times. You are also the dream pub quiz team captain. So apparently, according to the scientifically-based BuzzFeed quiz, I'm very intelligent according to my ketchup habits. Now, Chris, if you'd like, I can um, say what yours would say about you. <laughs> I guess, yeah, it, for a fair comparison, could you let it be know? Sure. Now, the one I think would best fit you is pitch, it's a picture of the French fries, and on the right is a blob of ketchup. And this, this image is titled, I like my sauce as a neat blob on the side of my plate. It's without a doubt the best way. Would yeah, that, that is. That? I would agree with that, yes. Okay, so this says you're the neat one. You are clean and precise, and you like to do things efficiently. You enjoy things a certain way, and you're not afraid to admit that to people. You enjoy quiet drinks with friends, telling hilarious stories, and making people laugh with your witty, perfect, perfectly timed humor. Wow, to be honest with you, that was pretty much dead on, except the very first thing saying that I'm neat is not true. The rest was perfect. So, I mean, like I said, scientifically-based BuzzFeed quiz providing some great insight Man, regarding uh, your catch-up habits. BuzzFeed really hit me with that, and that really makes me think now. They always do. <laughs> so, like I said, it's, it's it's a habit that I do. I think. Did you start when you were young? Like, is this like been your whole life? I, as as long as I can remember, I remember I did it in college, and I remember I got flack for it from my uh, my friends there. Um, now that was tricky because in college they had the pumps. And in order to drizzle with a ketchup pump is not the easiest thing to do because you have to constantly move your plate around. Right, and it's a high volume to, per pump as well. It is a very high volume per pump, so you had to be very careful. Um, but now it's kind of become like a staple. Like I'm very proud to be a drizzler, <laughs> and when someone calls me out on it, I'm like happy to engage them in conversation. <laughs> I would say too happy. I, I think so. I don't even do it anymore because, frankly, it's like I feel like I'm just like <laughs> making your day. I'm just like I'm not going to give Steve the satisfaction. Like bring it on. <laughs> um, but something I did want to add, and this can kind of wrap up the episode and kind of bring a bridge between two sides. And we kind of alluded this earlier in the episode. Um, you were you were mentioning the Heinz packets. Yes. That have the ability to be uh, dipping um, surfaces. Yes. And so also have the ability to be uh, drizzle um, containers as well. Exactly. So if you don't know this. So picture your standard McDonald's ketchup packet as kind of like the very pliable, um, plastic-feeling soft ketchup packet that you rip and then you squeeze it out. This is not that. This is a hard plastic that almost makes a, a mini bowl, would you say? Uh, yeah. A mini a pool. Yeah. And you can either um, completely remove the cover and dip into that bowl, or you can tear the top and then squeeze from it. Because it's even though it's a hard plastic, it's not like a extremely rigid it's still squeezable if you put some more force into it 
So you can drizzle or dip. And the only place I know that has them is Chick-fil-A around here. It is the perfect bridge between the two sides. Like I agree. Dip. If Everyone should have them. Now, fun fact, um, that was developed by Heinz, Heinz Ketchup, probably mm-hmm. one of the most famous uh, ketchup companies in the world. And uh, they are being sued by a guy who is claiming that they stole his idea. Hmm. A guy named Scott White, uh, he invented um, this thing called the Condi Cup. And it seems as if it was the exact same thing. You could uh, drizzle and dip as well. I wonder if that's why we don't see them everywhere because of the impending litigation. I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, the lawsuit was filed in 2012. And um, hmm, I can't find any more information. This article was written in uh, 2016, but it doesn't say what the outcome of it was. I wonder how that case is going. I'm highly invested immediately. I just found out about it, and I'm already all in. He He's not happy. He says that his intellectual property was stolen. He said that it was his life's work and that Heinz uh, is crushing basically his uh, his dream here. I wonder if he thinks that Heinz like literally stole it from him or just came up with the same thing. I mean – Like did he try to sell it to Heinz and they just said uh, no and then stole it anyway? I don't think so. Huh. No, it sounds as though they – you know, maybe maybe someone saw this and then kind of improved it a little bit because the Heinz dip and squeeze it um, is shaped like a ketchup bottle. Yeah, in it's that's small true. packet form. That's true. But um, so it actually has a really good size to where you can pull it off to dip it, or to where this where it has this small uh, top portion where you can rip it and make that your uh, drizzling um, exit. Where his was just basically a rectangular shape that you would just, I guess, peel to dip. And then I don't know what you would do to drizzle it, to be honest with you. It's not really... Um... Hmm. So that sounds a little different, actually. Yeah. There, there's some images here. I can include a link of this article here. It's from the Chicago Tribune in our show notes also, so that way people can uh, read up about the lawsuit. I generally don't like to take the side of big business versus like, you know, the little guy. But in this case... I'm not sure. I'd have to read a little more about it to to really see. I would too, but I just love those ketchup packets so much. I just want them. I want them everywhere. <laughs> just get them everywhere. Pay the Scott White guy some cash. Yeah, yeah. Come on, Heinz, you can afford it. Yeah. So, all right, Chris. Anything else you want to add before we head out today? I did want to add a couple things, just in case someone is listening to this episode screaming like, "I don't use ketchup on my French fries. I don't like ketchup." There are some alternatives to ketchup on French fries. Uh, some of them. A1 steak sauce. I'm personally not a fan, but sure. Never done it. Uh, Worcestershire sauce. Never done it. I hate Worcestershire sauce. Uh, I actually love it, but not on French fries. Barbecue sauce. Yes. I've tried it. It's fine. It's good. I just prefer ketchup. It's good every now and then. Yeah, not too much. My Actually, my personal favorite. Uh, I, I like a more of a thicker French fry. And you brought up um, Five Guys earlier in the episode, and they make a thicker French fry. And I, that's like... Pretty much my ideal French fry, and I like um, vinegar on my French fries. Okay, I'm not a big fan, but I do yeah. know people out which there. is also popular on the Ocean City Boardwalk where we live near. So, like on a lot of places on the Ocean City Boardwalk, you can get French fries. Most of them have like Heinz vinegar. malt vinegar that you can drizzle on. And mm. I do, I do say drizzle. I did, I did say drizzle. You, you, it would be, it, would, it's too, it's too liquidy to to dip. It's just impractical. I understand. 
So I, I, I guess I have to draw the line there on, on dipping versus drizzling. It's when it comes to the viscosity. If it'll hold its shape, dipping is superior. If it doesn't, it, it just becomes impractical. I hear what you're saying. So I, I, I don't know if this is common. I like vinegar and ketchup. So what I'll do is I'll put on a bunch of vinegar, like a lot. Like most people will be like, Chris, that's too much vinegar. And then I'll also get a cup of ketchup and dip them in that. <laughs> and I don't think that's normal, but that's hey, what I do. It works out for you because it's your fries and people don't want any. So it's exactly. all for you. Exactly. So that's what I do on the boardwalk. And that's what I do at Five Guys. Sometimes when I get fries, um, what Allie will do real quick is she'll drizzle some on the side. Or excuse me, she'll she'll dip some ketchup on the side. And she'll just say, Let's, let me get a couple fries before you drizzle all over them. <laughs> before you ruin them. Basically is what she says before you ruin them. Well, that's nice that you guys have some type of compromise situation. I mean, yeah, could you just has... drizzle on half of the fries? So we have done that. There have been times where I'll drizzle like on a small portion of the fries so that way they're not ruined. Because she considers them to be ruined when I drizzle on them, which is, hey, you know, that's, that's her opinion. I mean, you're going to get ketchup on your fingers at that point. They're going to get soggy later. I'm right, with her. I can't. I'm, I'm with you, Allie. That's how she sees it. That's how most people in the world see it. But we'll find out from the results of the poll. We will, yeah. So uh, we are going to put up a Twitter poll where you can vote for – I guess we can either do this in two ways. You can vote for who you think you had, who had the most convincing argument, which is really the reason we do this show. Or if you just want to vote for which one you prefer, you could do that also because we're, all, we're I'm very curious to see what the dip to drizzle uh, ratio is among our fan base. Me too. Me too. So uh, I hope everybody enjoyed this episode. It's a little different to what we uh, usually do. Like we mentioned, we usually do you know some kind of fictional fights between familiar faces. But this week, the fictional fights is happening between the two familiar faces that you've been listening to <laughs> the past seventy-two episodes. Our faces are All not right. familiar. Our voices are should be. This is true. Yes, absolutely. Steve, before we go, what's your favorite type of French fry? Do you have a, do you like a crispier French fry? Do you like a more potatoy French fry? I like a crispy crispy french fry. so the thinner on the thinner side um i do like them to be thin this is the thing with me and french fries like i think if i have the same one for too long i get bored with it I, I would agree with that too like if i have thin french fries for a long time and then like i get wedges one day like i'll be really excited I'll be like oh wedges I haven't had them forever um i'm not really too too picky i mean there's so many different types i mean you can even go to like the like the like the wedge kinds that um chick-fil-a gives out like the waffle kind oh those are so good i love those those are really fries. good um i don't know if you remember like when we were younger they had the potato uh french fry with the the smiley face at like lunchtime i remember those i wasn't ever a big fan yeah me neither those are pretty gross <laughs> um i don't know if i have like a favorite french fry i mean i do love chickies and pete's crab fries but that's not like a plain french fry because that has the old bay covered on top of it mm-hmm yeah, I'm not. I'm not really not too sure. I, I really just love French fries. We've always talked about doing that. Um, if listeners of the show remember, we've talked about this a couple times. We'll do like blind taste tests of food in our area. That's right. We've done saltwater taffy. We've done pizza. We've done chicken wings. And we've we've discussed like possibly doing ice cream, which is hard because it'll melt by the, the time, time sensitivity. Together. Right, right. And we've we've also talked about doing French fries. But the problem with French fries, like we mentioned, is you know they can get soggy even if there's nothing on top of them. They right. can get soggy if they're not you know kept crispy for yeah, an if, indefinite amount of time if they're like, if you took a if you take a hot french fry in an enclosed container like the steam is just going to make it soggy oh absolutely so yeah i really i don't know off the top of my head um there was this one place where i went to college uh, i was called um the landmark in westchester and their french fries were really really good 
I always like getting their French fries. You went to college at not... a restaurant? I did. How'd that go? <laughs> it was all right. Okay. Spent a lot of time eating. <laughs> Freshman 15, am I right? <laughs> but, um, I, like, I don't, like, have, like, a McDonald's as my favorite, a Burger King as my favorite. I know Taco Bell's doing French fries now, I believe. I have not tried them. I have not either. I don't I trust have, like, them personally. cheese dip that, that comes with it. Oh, a very liquidy cheese. A very liquidy cheese. So I, I would dip it. You, I would dip that. That'd be more of a dipper. Agreed. I would dip that. See what you're saying. All right. But we will have to let the fans decide for what they think would be the best option when it comes to dipping or drizzling ketchup on their French fries. I want to see. Please vote in this one, guys. Yes. I'm, I'm very curious to see what people have to say. So, as always, please remember to subscribe, follow, and rate, and please continue to participate in our show. For the Who Would Win cast, this has been Steve. And this has been Chris. And we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Come on, this is important! Hey! Get the hell out of here! Wow, that's a lot of potatoes. The Who Would Win cast is not endorsed by any film or television production companies and is intended for entertainment purposes only. Any and all audio clips are not owned by the Who Would Win cast, and all rights are reserved by the respective copyright holders.